0: Welcome to the Association 4.0 podcast. I'm Sherry Budziak, CEO and founder of Source. Association 4.0 is how we describe the skills needed to navigate industry 4.0 or the digital marketplace. Today, I have the honor of talking with Paul Markowski, who is the CEO at the American Association of Clinical Endocrinology. We've worked with Paul for a number of years, and he has led two medical associations through significant growth. So I'm really excited today to have a short time to talk to Paul um, about his thoughts on the future of associations. So thanks so much uh, for joining me today, Paul.
1: Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. it. Right before the weekend, it's perfect time to get some of our thoughts out.
0: Fantastic. Um, So, Paula, I was just, you know, wondering, like, how has the pandemic experience changed your thoughts about the future of the association industry?
1: Well, I I think what's really interesting is I don't know if it's changed uh, at least my thoughts or some people that I know, uh, my peers' thoughts. I think what the pandemic has really done is, is kind of highlighted for us that some of the things that we were thinking about and places we felt organizations needed to go in, in the near future and long term future. Um, we can no longer just sit around and talk about them anymore. I think we have to put them into place. And so the the quote, the excuses of kicking a can down the road on some of these issues because of maybe some of the politics behind our organizations um, can no longer really be uh, those things that prevent us from having those kind of conversations anymore. Um, I also think we we have an opportunity because you know as association professionals um and i and i believe this that even though we don't sense it all the time i think our our leaderships and our boards understand that you know we come with an expertise just like they do from what their profession is mm-hmm. they are almost really forced now to trust us more than ever because of the uncertainty they see um in trying to run an organization from the board's perspective so for me it gives us a little more uh of an advantage to impress upon them that now's the time to—I don't want to say take calculated risk, but to really look at investing into what that future is, rather than trying to uh, uh, paddle the water and survive and, and think we're going to go back to a, a normal that we once had, because that that normal's gone. And, and anybody who thinks that you're going to go back to doing business the way you were doing business, um, I think you're in for a challenge. But that's you know,
0: just my perspective on it. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, You know, as we recently did that survey and there is a lot of associations out there that are just waiting to go back to normal. And as you said, I think that is um, long gone and we need to really be thinking of the future and what those investments and what changes that we, you know, need to be making. Um, So with that kind of, what do you see are the next kind of challenges or disruptions for the industry?
1: Well, I think you know everybody's been working hard, at least over the last decade, about transforming their professional associations um, and diversifying their business lines, right? And and using mm-hmm. technology platforms to help them collect the data and understand where they're going. Um, you know, I, I I think it's safe to say that most associations still probably aren't there yet. They're not strictly comfortable with um, looking at business lines that are going to be very different than what they had in the past, which was basically meeting, selling some content maybe, and, and relying on dues. Well, I think this pandemic and the change right now in the economy um, has really indicated that people are are, are watching their, their dollars, right? They're, they're watching their income. Some have dropped in compensation um, depending upon their profession. And so there's fewer and fewer and less and less uh, discretionary dollars to be spent. So I think the the importance of diversification of your business lines and creating um, those a la carte, I call them opportunities outside of somebody getting something for being a member is even gonna be more important going forward. Um, I think there's, that's where the greatest challenge and pressure is coming from right now is that business development stream that you need to have. Um, and I, I don't think it's just, in the United States, we're experiencing that. You know, and what I've been hearing, and I know some of my peers have heard is, you know, that's a pressure that's also uh, coming from the international and maybe even more so as their uh, dollars and uh, equivalents to the US dollar have fluctuated greatly in a lot of these countries. Their ability to spend, or maybe their ability to get uh, industry partners to support their activities uh, through a U.S. Association, professional association like ours, is even becoming more and more challenging.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so, what do you see are opportunities coming out of this? Well,
1: I, you know, I think, you know, we we talk about. I was just, I was laughing as I was uh, talking to some, a couple of my peers, and actually, I'm interviewing for a position right now. But, um, you know, the collaboration always seems to be the buzzword, right? And and I think yeah. it's great. It's a great word. The problem is. Um, I think organizations always tended to force that, force those collaborations, force those partnerships. And the minute you do that, it becomes very unnatural and actually becomes more of a hindrance than an opportunity. And so I think, I think it's going to be critical for most associations to really refine their priorities, their vision and mission and being very strategic in what they do, um, be committed to it and passionate about it. And I think once you do that, Um, those that really want to collaborate with you are going to come to the forefront. You know, they're going to either touch base with you or you're going to sense they're doing something in the same same space with the same commitment and passion and that you can, you know, knock on the door, pick up the phone and say, hey, would you want to do something together? And then it's a little more organic. Um, I just get really frustrated over my years of forced collaboration because we always end up unhappy with the end product. Um, Right. Not that it didn't make money, but that it really didn't accomplish everything we wanted to accomplish. And and either two or three partners who are involved will walk away dissatisfied. And then that that defeats the purpose of possibly coming together on things that really would work and be important. So I think that's really where the opportunity is. I think as people focus in on what they're doing um, and show a real passion for it, I think you're gonna see a lot of people moving quickly Two groups and areas uh, of interest that um, kind of like that whole social media impact, right? You're going to find a group that resonates with you and you're going to be with them until they don't, then you might find another one, you're going to move to them, right? So I think that's associations can work in the same way is is to create that real interest and buzz and and almost making sure you're an inviting organization and group to have people join you rather than forcing these collaborations as we all kind of want to do
0: yeah, done in the past. Sure. Um, so what do you think is the most important thing that association leaders can be doing right now to position their organization for success um, over the you know the next year or so?
1: Well, I think um, you know we, we I know we like to use the word change management. It's been a good buzzword too for a while. Um, and I'm not sure that we're going through change management as much as much as we're going through. Emotional and cultural management. Uh, Mm. Organizations, you know, are, have been emotionally invested for years, decades, and some for hundreds of years, right on, on the way they've been doing things and yes, things have evolved and may have done them differently, but their emotion behind why they existed and what they're doing has always been there. Uh, Their cultures may have adjusted a bit, but you know, they all, we all come with strong cultures. And I think, there's a real, a little bit of a sense of fear and panic about, you know, are we going to be able to accomplish that mission and that vision or that culture, or, uh, you know, do we have the existence or will we be in existence anymore? And and I think it's going to really be important for CEOs and other senior leaders in the organization from a staff perspective to to demonstrate that calm in these kind of turbulent times, right? There's a little bit of uncertainty. You gotta be flexible. You may have to make decisions quicker. It may not be with uh, all the information and data you may want, but um, time is almost gonna be the enemy if you don't move quick enough and and, and kind of jump on opportunities or at least uh, take a calculated risk on some of these things. And I think demonstrating your confidence in some of those decisions and, and helping your organization move in those directions is probably gonna be the most critical thing that you can do from a leadership perspective and a staffing perspective right
0: now. Well, thanks for saying that, Paul. I think that's just some great thoughts. I know that over the years I've seen even prior to the pandemic, you would be able to lead an organization to take some risks that have really had a great um, growth outcome for those organizations. And, um, and then I've seen other other ceos that have just said okay you know we're going to continue to do the same thing our members are happy and you know i don't want to rock the boat but then the pandemic hits and it was a oh no moment because there wasn't other service lines or product offerings um and things like that when when a, a meeting you know a live meeting wasn't available so um and those organizations are still in major recovery mode, um, you know, today because of it. So I guess, you know, my thoughts, and I know that you've always looked at the association business model as kind of an evolving mo- model um, and, you know, take have taken opportunities to, um, to make some changes, but uh, how do you see kind of the association business model changing in the future?
1: You know, I think, Um, You know, we've talked about this for a number of years. And, and, you know, I know that some of these associations are probably financially struggling. I, I, you know, I've Mm -hmm. already heard that there's been some mergers and, and I don't know if this environment forced those as much as it probably sped them up. Yeah. Uh, uh, You know, I, again, it's, it's kind of the kick the can down the road. I think there are a number of associations that, you, you know, we all affectionately call our competitor sister societies, right? We we try to use the right term or the nice term. And I think what's going to happen is I think everybody's going to have to understand that if you if you think you can do everything for everybody, that's not going to exist anymore. Right. So how can you let go of something you're doing because maybe you don't do it the best and let the other group do it because maybe they do it better. And then that other group lets go of something they don't do that's duplicative of what you do, but you do it better than anybody. And, and I think that's the courage it's going to take a lot of associations to uh, embrace uh, in a way because I just, I, I don't see the current structure and modeling around, well, our members expect us to do X, Y, and Z. Well, well, they can get X, Y, and Z by somebody else, and if they're doing it better, you know, at some point they're not going to belong to both organizations, right? right we want them to belong to one or participate in one because they get this from it and belong and participate to the other one because they get something different for what their needs are so I think that's I think that's really where things are are going to be heading and, and unfortunately the the uh, economics of the whole pandemic and the new environment we're going to be heading into are probably in a way going to force a lot of those discussions um, I know that we may probably end up having those discussions with some of our sister groups, right? Um, they all have had to make. Fortunately, we haven't had to make that decision during the pandemic. We did not cut services. We did not lay off staff. Uh, we were fortunate, and and I think that's a credit to our board that they made that hard decision to to stay invested with the staff and the direction. But others were not so fortunate, and lucky, and they had to cut out what I call business lines that were probably very critical and strategic to who they were as an organization. So um, it's gonna be hard bringing those, jumping those things back and some of them are very big operations and they're probably gonna to have to take serious looks at: do we really get back into that, right? Or do we let that go and let somebody else who may be doing it better or is there a way for us to do it together, right? Um, and that where maybe where some of the collaborations really happen is because the business modeling makes sense both from an expense and a revenue side um, than it is about well let's create something um, because you know that I, I never you know i'm sure you can find percent of those things that work but i guarantee you there's about 90 percent that nobody's been satisfied with when they happen
0: yeah it's been um it you know as a consultant in the industry, I get to see a lot of different organizations and how they're being led. Um, So it's been very interesting. Uh, I told, I was talking with Ken Slaw on our podcast last week. Um, He's the executive director for the Society for Vascular Surgeons. I believe you know him. Um, And he said that that was really important that they invested in staff and kept the staff uh, because of just what you were were saying, And I told him that I've seen associations now that have just had gotten rid of departments, business lines, and because of just um, the craziness and staffing right now, they're not able to fill those positions. So, um, and some of the even outsourcing opportunities, some of those companies are too busy. So they're really even more so behind the eight ball now. So it'll be, I think it's going to be interesting to see how some of this plays out. But, you know, to your to your point, I think that the um, collaboration for some of those groups may just be necessary because they're not going to be able to continue to do everything they've, they've done before and maintain their value for, um, for their, you know, constituents and their membership base. No,
1: I think that's, you know, and that's a good point. And quite honestly, I think it's going to It's going to help an organization. I think they're going to see greater benefit because now they're going to really be focused in on a fewer things that that are probably even more critical, right? You you know, you've you've not spread out your resources and your efforts. You've really gotten to focus in on the things that you have left. And people may see that that is really where their core niche and direction should really be. And that that might become their new norm. They may never, ever go back to some of that stuff. They may never even partner with it. You know, they may point there members or customers in different directions for different things um, because that's what you're going to have to do um, but um, I think there's going to be a, a real good shift um, and I, I just you know it's interesting I just heard the term today about this is a resignation era for mm-hmm. uh, staffing um, especially in the association world because of just all these dynamics of Either people getting laid off, or people who are worried that that still may happen to them in, in their their specific organization. And for some of us who who have new vacancies because we created new positions, um, we're kind of reaping the benefit. We're seeing a lot of talent out there, whether they have positions and they're looking, or they just you know were released um, uh, because of the poor economic or the, the tough decisions that other organizations had to make. So. You know, I guess some of us are going to reap some of the benefits, um, but at least I look at it as keeping some, best we can, some of the good people still in the association world because it is kind of a niche job. It is you know really passion and mission driven and sometimes it's hard to find those people and, and so when you do you you try to keep them and make yeah. sure that they're continuing to grow.
0: Yeah absolutely. Um, so you know Paul, We've worked with you to kind of help with two at least two organizations with a what I would call an overall digital transformation, um, having either legacy systems or no systems starting with excel spreadsheets. and And you've really kind of led that kind of vision for for both um Ace um, and prior when you were at chest. and I'm just curious about you know what your thinking is on you know technology continuing to change how associations operate and evolve.
1: So I, I think it's going to be as important, if not more important. And I think the real challenge, though, with all this is, you know, the I think the virtual move to the virtual world so abruptly demonstrated that. I mean, there were so many uh, companies and products out there that had to evolve and change and. From an association perspective, you know there was some concern, like you know, were they ready to do that? Could they do that? You know, what was their experience? Did somebody else try them out? What was the pros? What was the cons? You know, we're all worried about our customer experience, so um, I think that is really going to be the greatest challenge. So I think, from an association perspective, I think we're always going to be evolving and always looking for the better product. Um, I don't think this is going to be Oh, we're really happy here so we'll sit here for three to five years, I, I think. The environment is going to push us into you know, making sure we always have the best product. And I think on the other side, these companies that are producing these products and these platforms. man they're gonna they're gonna have to be on it there there's no longer the given that oh we've been good for 10 years and. we've got the reputation because you know they're going to have to evolve and they're going to have to stay on top of things and and produce a good product because you know organizations are going to you know come and go we're going to we're going to get into certain platforms and products and then find out they're not working or they're not you know holding up their end of the bargain and we're just going to move on and and that's going to be the expectation it's going to happen quick so um, i think from a staffing perspective you know we've always viewed those technology driven staff as critical and i hate to say this cuz they're going to hold leverage on us but they're able to be more critical been absolutely.
0: Involved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that, and I think it was very hard for those folks that were in meetings to adapt um, because they were always doing physical meetings and, and some of them have. Um, but I think the other thing that association leaders have learned is that all your staff really have to be have a technology aptitude, right? Um, because right. you may have to jump in and do something, um, or you may have to really understand what is that user experience and how do we work with a vendor to fix something. Because you may not have the mm-hmm. technology staff internally. The other thing I was thinking about as you were talking to Paul was, you know, you guys um, right before the pandemic, you had implemented a new LMS and as you were talking about your partner on that product, there were two things that I saw from the outside that was happening was one, you guys had tools that you could hurry up and implement online learning, right? So um, so I saw a lot of things, the agility that your, your team was able to, you know, really turn those things around um, and to provide an op- opportunity for a revenue stream. but also, um, and we know you know the technology vendor, they've also evolved, right? They've evolved with you and we've also seen them evolve with other associations. So as you said, you know, we we've worked with those technology partners in the past. So there's like, here's our product, here's what it does. Great, you know. I hope you like it, and kind of that's it, right? Um, but really, find and it's hard. It's really hard to find those partners that's going to continue to grow with you and evolve and want to not only service you from what they have today, but grow with you for the future. I think that is a really um, good point, and and I think is going to be a challenge.
1: Yeah, and I and I think it's going to be critical that you know even groups like yours, are sharing with OrgSource and that and some of those. Uh, partners that you can bring to the table, the more they hear from us in a group, you know, the better off they're gonna to be to to try to meet the needs that are gonna be evolving on a regular basis, right? Otherwise, yeah. it's gonna be each of us one-offing, talking right. in all groups and, and that's gonna be the hardest thing to do.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so any final thoughts today, Paul, before I let you go and get back to your busy day?
1: Um, no, but I, I, think, I think my last message would be, you know, this is the time to be brave. This is the time to invest, um, and and that's our job. And, and I always saw that as our job is to to make sure organizations are thinking progressively. Um, thinking defensively is unfortunately right now going to probably head you down the, the wrong road here, and uh, maybe a road that either you're not going to recover from, or the person behind you is never going to be able to you know get going for the organization. So. Um, I think this is, we have a great opportunity, you know, to really set a new course um, and and almost use the pandemic as that right reason or excuse to do it.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for joining that's us today, good. Paul. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we can talk with you again, uh, maybe in the fall and follow up and see, see what you guys are doing next.
1: <laughs> good, I'd be happy to do it.
0: All right, great. Have a great day. You too. I hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered tips and information that will add value to your leadership style in your association. .orgsource specializes in positioning teams for success with solutions for technology, strategy, and marketing. Please contact us at info at orgsource.com to find out how to get your organization on track to Association 4.0. You can also engage in other educational content by becoming a member of .org community or reading our books on Association 4.0, which you can find on Amazon. We look forward to hearing from you soon.